Today's reading is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 to 21. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of your eternal life, of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed, the only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jane. And if you don't have your Bibles, um, you can get uh, these sheets uh, from the back. Um, but let's uh, uh, look through them together as we come to the last session on First Timothy before we go on to Advent. But let's pray that God will speak to us this morning. Lord, we thank you for these words uh, that you've given to Timothy um, that uh, built him up and encouraged him in his ministry 
And we pray now that you would speak to us and encourage us in our ministry that we might be a church that is uh, built on the foundation of your truth, that holds up the truth up high so that people can see it and that um, our lives and people who watch us, their lives will be transformed by it as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness and godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness, Paul says to Timothy, man of God. Man of God is a distinguished title in the, uh, in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it was applied to people like Moses, David, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, and a few others. In the New Testament, uh, it, it, he talks about it one more time in 2 Timothy as a person who is equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work. A mature Christian who's equipped for every good work. Man and woman of God. I wonder if that's how you consider yourself. Man of God. A woman of God. Is that you? Well, what does that mean? Well, it means many things, but in this chapter, he talks about these three things. A person who flees from love of money, who pursues righteousness and godliness, faith and love, endurance and gentleness, and in the end, a person who is content with God and somebody who puts and sets their hope in God and in the world that is coming and not in this one. As we have seen in these past weeks, uh, Paul uh, has sent Pastor Timothy, young Timothy, to the church in Ephesus because there, was, there were false teachers in the church, leading the church astray, teaching them the wrong things. Chapter 1, verse 4, they talked about how uh, they, they, they went to the Old Testament, they went to these places of myths and genealogies. They invented a whole stories around them. They majored in minors. And remember what he says um, to them. He says, no, major and majors, Jesus Christ came to save sinners, of which I am the worst. This is the trustworthy teaching, he said. In chapter 4, he talked about the false teachers again and how these false teachers were denying people from getting married, from eating certain food. And his answer to them was, no, God created the world in a good way. Everything that God created is good, and we are to receive it with thanks. And we are to uh, give him thanks and praise him for them. And these teachers, false teachers, were causing great trouble, as we see in verse 4. Controversies, quarrels, resulted in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicion, and constant corruption, he says. And Paul now uncovers why he does, they do these things. Verse 5, they were using godliness, or it's a word for religion. Religion for financial gain. Their motivation was richness, money. So Paul warns this young pastor to guard his heart. Man of God, verse 6, flee from all this, he says. Flee from the love of money. If you're an adult, could I ask you, when was the last time you ran? When was the last time you ran? You might have gone for a running last night or something like that. When was the last time you ran away from something? You know, when Barney watches TV, he literally, he can't stand it. He, whenever something scary comes, he runs away. He runs behind the sofa, runs to me or whatever. When a, a, an adult runs away, that's because something really scary is there. 
maybe a fire, something that threatens your life. That's when you run. He says, run away from love of money. Why? Well, first, it's not worth it to live for money, verse 7. He says, look, life is a travel between two nakedness when you are born and when you die. It doesn't matter how much zeros uh, you have next to your bank account on the day of your death. Nobody thinks that I have this much money when you're facing death. You can't carry it with you, can you? It's not worth it. But look, he says, actually, love of money is dangerous. Take a look at verse 9. It's a trap. It's scary. It's literally this snare for bird. You know, it's, it's, uh, the birds come and they lure you with a little bit of food or something. And then when it comes, it traps uh, that bird. and It can't move and escape anymore. He says, love of money is like that. It's a trap. It traps you. It, it might look enticing, but when you come, you, it traps you and you can't uh, move away uh, from it. If you think about it, love of money, I think, is like a trap. And dangerous like drug is. Drug is addictive. When you have it, you want more of it. You become dependent on it. You get used to that level, right? You know how it is. When love of money, when you love money and when you have some of it, our normal keeps changing. When you didn't have any money when you were young, your normal was bare minimum. But when you have some, well, you get used to it. You depend on it. Uh, more and more until you're trapped by the love of money, the, the, the things that surround you, and you can't escape from it. You can't go back to the way it was when you're in your 20s or something, in your teens, because we're trapped by it. Isn't that why John D. Rockefeller, considered the richest man in modern history, uh, defined enough as a little more, a little more, it drives people also to do dangerous and foolish things. This past uh, month, um, in October, SCMP reported that Hong Kong, Hong Kongers fell trapped to, by uh, October, they lost uh, $2.6 billion in scams, in quick um, get-rich scams, uh, all sorts of scams, uh, uh, jobs, fake jobs and lies. It plunges people into destruction, Paul says, into ruin. And there are those who use religion uh, to, for their financial gains. There are easy targets. Prosperity gospel teachers come to mind. They ask for seed money in exchange for God's blessing. They say, if you give money to church, if God give money to, uh, um, to this cause, then God will bless you and make you rich. As if that is the promise and the way uh, th that it generally is um, in the world. They say that active generosity will always lead you to financial gain. And the particularly hein heinous thing about that is they usually prey on the, uh, the, the poorest of the poor. Whether it's in the U.S. or in Nigeria or it, it, the poorest countries, it, they prey on the, 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 the poorest. But remember... This is written to Timothy, man of God. Why? Well, because Timothy also is susceptible to love of money. Love of money is subtle. Unlike adultery or stealing or theft or lying, right, when you know that it happened, love of money can sneak in 
make a permanent home in your heart without you even thinking about it, without you even noticing it. Love of money could be lodged in our hearts and steer the person's life in a different direction. And if it comes to a pastor's heart, it can steer his ministry, her ministry, to a different direction, taking the whole church with them. Love of money can, for example, make me maybe just stay away from unpopular topics of preaching on judgment and hell and sin. Love of money can make me preach a cheap gospel, gospel that doesn't demand anything, gospel that cheapens the grace of Christ, that cheapens the blood of Christ. Love of money could make me talk about things that people want to hear, not what God wants to say to us. Love of money could make me favor the rich in the church. Uh, play favoritism, uh, annulling uh, the gospel. Love of money can lead the whole congregation astray. And so Paul says to Timothy, flee, run away from all that. Friends, what drives you? What drives you? Obviously, this is written to Timothy, but to all of us. What is the motivation for living? If love of money is lodged in our hearts, we will not be able to live rightly. We'll not be able to be content. We'll not be able to be a blessing that God wants us to be. Is love of money in your heart as well? Man of God, woman of God, flee from all this. And not just run away from it, but also run towards righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. We are to fight the fight of faith. The word for fighting here is in Greek is agonisomai, uh, from which we get the word agony. Fight the fight of faith. It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be agonizing. It's supposed to be difficult to run away from love of money, to fight for these things, righteousness and godliness. It, it, remember, we are to train for godliness. Again, why should we train? He says, to take hold of the eternal life to which you have been called. Well, you might ask, don't we have eternal life through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus? And yes, you do. You have this eternal life that's promised to you uh, through, faith, uh, through faith in Jesus. But you could have this eternal life, this restored relationship with God, and not take hold of any of it. You know, you could be married to the most wonderful spouse, and if you don't spend any time with that person, talking to that person, enjoying that person, well, you're not enjoying that relationship. You could be the richest person in the world, have all sorts of money in your bank account, but if you don't use it and enjoy it, you're living like a pauper, not enjoy any of it. We could have eternal life, and that's not just length of life, right? John 6, uh, God, Jesus defines it as relationship with God, the Father, the God, the Son. That quality of life from knowing Jesus Christ, that's eternal life. And we are to fight to take hold of it now, to train for godliness now, righteousness now, to enjoy that relationship with God, freedom from sin, uh, freedom from restlessness, and enjoy in the end contentment with God. We're to fight for that now. These false teachers were restless for financial gain. 
They're working hard to get rich. And Paul tells Timothy that a greater gain could be had. Godliness with contentment, he says, is a great gain. It's a financial term. It's great gain. Godliness with contentment. But it begs a question. Well, how can we be content? That thing that seems most elusive to us. How can we be content? I think there's hints of it here as well. It is knowing and trusting in God's goodness, God's generosity. Because our restlessness comes, sin comes when we trust that God is good, that God has promised the best for us and act our own way and not live his way. That's when restlessness comes, that when we distrust that God is good. If we trust that God is good, that he will provide for us, we can share with others. We can be content with what God has given us today. Take a look at how um, Paul thinks that we can keep uh, these commands that he's just given to us. Verse 13, in the sight of God, verse 13, in the sight of God who gives life to everything. In the sight of God, literally, is in front of God or in presence of God. In the presence of God. And he says, who gives life to everything? Keep these commands. You know, God who gives life to everything that breathes in the world is with you right now. In the presence of God, keep these commands, he says. Do you trust that God has given you the things that you need? And not only that, verse 17, has richly provided. You know, he says, you can be content with food and clothing, but he's given us more. So verse 17, everything else so that we can richly enjoy life. You know who doesn't worry about money? Children don't worry about money. My children don't worry about money. Um, they know that money is nice to have, and when they receive a licey, it really, I don't know why, it's, it makes them really happy. <laughs> uh, and yet, <laughs> they don't know how to use it. They, don't, they know they don't ultimately need it, because when they need something, you know who they come to? They come to us. They come to me, and they come to Mary, because they know that we are the ones who provide richly for them, and they don't worry about what they will do, what they will eat um, tomorrow, and what they will wear tomorrow, because we are there with them in the presence of God who gives life to everything. Be content. He is with you. And we have Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, Jesus, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made a good confession. We know that God sent his son, Jesus, made his good confession before Pontius Pilate, and he went to his death for us. And don't we know that he who did not spare his own son but gave us all, gave him up for, for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Can we trust in God's goodness in the presence of Jesus Christ, who has given God, who has given up his son for us. And Jesus, verse, four, verse 14, promises to come back. 
Keep them without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is reminding Timothy that this life is not all there is. If this life were all there is, well, I can't be content with what I got. I want more. <laughs> if, if this life was all there is to, uh, to be had, that I need more things in this life. But friends, another life is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming back. In Jonathan Edwards' uh, words, your bad things will turn out to be good. Your good things can never be taken away, and the best things are yet to come. Your best things are yet to come. Come. We can be content now knowing that. We can be content in the end because we can be content in trusting God's goodness. And Paul famously put it this way in Philippians chapter 4. I have learned the secret of being content in every and every situation, any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know, he wrote this in prison. He wrote to the Philippians in prison. I know the secret of being content. I have Christ with me. I trust in his goodness. I know what it's like to have plenty, and I know what it's like to be in prison. In any and every situation, I can be content with Christ. That contentment it comes from being filled with Christ, knowing that we live in the presence of God the Father and the Son and in the Spirit. But I know also that as he's writing this letter to Timothy, he's also content because he does something that all content people do. He sings. He sings. You know, at the end of that little section, he, he starts talking about God the Father and God the Son. And he ends in this sort of spontaneous doxology. He's done this three times in this letter. Every time he talked about God the Father, God the Son, and the grace in him, he ended um, that section like this. In verse 15 and 16, the blessed God, the blessed and the only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can, seen to, uh, can, uh, can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. It's almost as if he can't contain himself as he thinks about God the Father and God the Son and their goodness. He ends in doxology, singing God's praise. Friends, do you have food and clothing today? You have the minimum requirement. You, you have what's required to be content. But don't we know? Do, don't, don't you have much more than food and clothing? We can praise God for that. Friends, we're in the presence of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he has promised to come back and, and, and give us all these things that we know that we do not deserve. Be content whether you have plenty today or you are in want today. Pursue contentment in God's presence and practice generosity. Verse 17 you know, the thing about this section is that pastors are not supposed to just recommend generosity. We are to command generosity. Command the rich. 
to be in good, uh, rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Because money isn't evil, verse 18. Right? Money is not what's evil. Love of money is what's evil. Money can do great good. Money has done great good in this church and around the world. We see all these foundations and charities. Money can do good. Money rightly used will praise God. And friends, this command is for us, those who live in Hong Kong, those who are actually fairly wealthy by any standard. According to the Census and Statistics Department in Hong Kong, this past year, the, the median household income, the income that a household earns is $28,800. Household income, $28,800. Well, if you take away some of our um, uh, domestic help for friends, many of our income, individual income, I suspect, is much higher than that. Household income, much higher than that. This week's standard reported that on average, people in Hong Kong have about $20,000 of disposable income. Income, if you take away the necessities, still left with $20,000. If you are a bit you know, older, in your 60s and late 50s or something like that, you have more. If you're in your 20s, you're starting your career, a bit less. But this is for us. This command is for all of us. If you don't think that you have enough to share, maybe one thing that we could do um, is to review our lifestyle. Do we know the difference between what we really need and things that are luxury? Do we know the difference between occasionally celebrating or living a lifestyle of luxury? Do we um, know the difference between hobbies and status symbols? Friends, let's listen to these commands. Let's do good with our money. Let's lay a good foundation for the coming age, as he says in verse 19. Last week, we talked about watching out for the needy among us. We need to do that, watching out for the needs of the church. And could I recommend that watch out for the needs of our mission partners? Many of us, many of them are in need, financial strain in many ways. Be generous. Be self-sacrificial, just as Christ emptied himself and gave us his riches. We are to follow him in that. In order to grow, we, of course, we need to eat good food, but we also need to exercise. We need to put what we have heard into practice. That's how muscles grow. That's how you become healthy. We need to hear God's truth and put it into practice. And the exercise that we need in this area is to be generous, to give away what we have, to share what we have, so that we can be freed from the love of money. We can be freed uh, from love of money and be content with what we have. Friends, lay up your treasures in heaven. One of the luxuries that my family uh, often indulge in is to go away um, to Disneyland, a Disney hotel, one day or two um, days um, at a time. Mary and I love it because, you know, if you've been there, it's a uh, Kids love it. <laughs> I love it because kids love it. It's uh, everything sort of, you know, it's catered uh, towards uh, kids, even like little soap. The soap's little so that they can hold it better and things like that. Um, they love being there. But of course, it's a hotel room. It lacks many things. 
So what if, you know, what would you say if I saw, if next time I went to Disney Hotel for one or two days, I said, well, you know what, this time I'm going to buy a microwave and bring it with me. You know what, I really don't like the curtains um, there. Actually, I'm going to buy a whole new set of curtains and then put it up uh, for my stay. You know what, last time I went, um, there was that little desk um, there where we ate some food, um, but there was no sofa, no place to sit. What if I ordered a whole sofa, three-seat cushion sofa, and ordered it uh, uh, to come to Disney Hotel for my two-day stay there? What would you say? Wouldn't you say, you, what are you doing? <laughs> You're just there for two days. Friends, we're here for just a moment. The heaven will come down here. Lay up a good foundation for our permanent home. Store up your treasures in heaven. Put your hope in God. Man and woman of God, flee from greed. Flee from love of money. Run towards, pursue righteousness and godliness, generosity, these spiritual disciplines. Be freed from this restlessness and know the, the, the contentment in God. Look to God who richly provides you with everything for your enjoyment and live with that hope of the coming age. And may God help us to guard what we have heard in these past weeks and what has been entrusted to us for his name's sake. Let's pray. Lord, would you guard my heart from greed? Would you guard our hearts from love of money? Help us to know and live in your presence, in your goodness, one who provides us richly things for our enjoyment. And help us to set our hope in the age that's coming and not in this world. And Lord, we thank you for this truth that you have entrusted to us. May we be a church that guards it, that lives it out, that holds out this hope to the world around us, especially in this Christmas time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.